welcome in to the Irish NFL show with me, Colm Cronin, and I am pleased today to welcome back a good friend of the show, fantastic young writer from Mile High Sports, and he is also co-host of Let's Talk Broncos, Zach Seeger. Zach, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Glad to be here with you. Thank you for having me and uh, ready to break down some uh, Broncos free agency moves. Yeah, I suppose um, kind of I, have, I haven't been talking to to you in in relation to the Broncos since the, the first uh, or kind of since free agency kicked off. And obviously the Broncos were big spenders in that first week. Uh, in terms of the, the moves that they made, Zach, were, were you impressed? Do you have questions? Um, where, where, what's your thinking in terms of the, especially kind of the, some of the, the splash signings? Yeah, you know, I think it's a mixed bag. I think it raised a lot of questions. Um, I think it's hard to, I, I see two extremes on the Broncos. And I feel like, as is normally the case, kind of the middle road is maybe the, the closer answer. Like people are listing them as one of free agency's biggest winners because they spent all this money and they signed all these people, um, maybe rebuilt their offensive line. And I've seen them listed as one of free agency's biggest losers because they've spent all this money and they've taken big gambles on free agency. And we've learned that maybe that's not the best way to spend your money is on these uh, big money free agent deals. And I ultimately think it's somewhere in the middle. I think there's truth to both sides of it. I think um, the Broncos have greatly uh, upgraded elements of their roster by doing this in free agency. Um, but I also think they've put themselves in a position where two, three years from now, we're probably looking back on the, these deals and very few of them look great. Um, that said, this team had to infuse themselves with talent. And when you consider how few or how little draft capital they had, that makes it a lot hard to do it via trades, makes it a lot hard to do it via the draft, obviously. Um, and that left free agency. Um, you talk about the splash deals. I like the Ben Powers one a lot. Um, the Zach Allen one, um, I can get behind, but I'm a little dubious of it. I would have rather just ponied up for Draymond Jones, if I'm being honest. Um, and uh, the McGlinchey one is probably the most concerning. Um, I, it's hard to find even decent right tackle play. And so the Broncos having that for the next few years will be nice having it not be a revolving door. But I think you look at the tackle market this offseason and um, the, the Jawan Taylor contract, the Kayla McGarry contract, and uh, in comparison, the McGlinchey deal, um, who I think has a lot less upside than Taylor, than McGarry, um, and his deal is a lot bigger. Uh, that's concerning to me. Yeah, and um, I suppose I, I've talked on the the show. Just interested in in your perspective, my feeling, um, and and uh, you know I can't just turn around now because the Broncos went and and spent was um, we discussed on the show what what I would like to to see them do in in free agency. And uh, my feeling is always um, I prefer to see a team spend on defense and and draft offensively. Um, uh, you know, when, when you consider and, and you look at that Eagles O-line who are the, the premier O-line, they were all draftees. Um, and, and across the, the rounds, obviously, they invested massively in Lane Johnson, 
but they also in that got the best right tackle in in the game. Now, in terms of of the Broncos and the draft picks and the situation with, with Russell Wilson and Sean Payton means they they didn't have that. But you know, you've talked about the the upside in term, you know, and let's face it, they could have had you know traffic cones or turnstiles out there last year and, and probably would have uh you know if the play would would have been similar so they have upgraded but it's akin to maybe winning a Danny DeVito contest in the part of, of um I suppose O-line play we know coaching is um so important in terms of your faith in the the new O-line coach to, you know, really develop a, a unit, how, you know, it, it, it's kind of going off a of blind faith uh, a little bit, but how confident are you that the, the, the Broncos can, with the new pieces, a new coach, a new system under Sean Payton, how much time do the Broncos need to give to, to a, new, a new O-line to develop there, Zach? You're on, you're on mute. I'm so sorry, Colm. Um, I, I don't think you have a lot of time to be patient and just let it develop. And I think that's why... And ultimately, I agree with you. Philosophically, I'd like to draft my offensive lineman rather than sign him in free agency. I put out a tweet about how um, big money free agent alignment are kind of like gas station sushi. And um, I, I see why that it's a little like it's a little dodgy. Um, you can eat it. And, and you, you know, if we're being honest, you'll probably be OK. But why are we running the <laughs> numbers like more often than not? It's it's not going to be a fun experience. Um so I, I agree, but I also think the Broncos are in a position where they needed that instant impact on the offensive line. And even if you have faith in like a, a Mike Munchak or a Callahan type that is super, you know, has tons of pelts on the wall, I think you wonder about how instant impact your fifth round guard pick is going to be or your third round tackle pick. Um, so I don't minded on that front. Um, and I have a decent amount of confidence in Streif just because I think Peyton has uh, proven a good ability at identifying those offensive line coaches and hiring them. I think it's why they consistently had a pretty solid O-line in New Orleans. And I, I think that'll carry over uh, to Denver because even if Zach Streif is average, like you said, is there's a bit of blind faith in that. But even if he's just like replacement level, it'll be a dramatic upgrade on Butch Berry who I have heard nothing but horror stories about. And it's coming from players. Maybe players just, you know, didn't vibe with his personality and he's a really good coach. But I did not get that impression. I got the impression he was one of the worst offensive line coaches in the league, one of the worst offensive line coaches that any of these guys, including Quinn Miners from University of Wisconsin-Whitewater, has ever been around, um, which is concerning. And uh, I no matter what, it should be a step in the right direction. Um, for me, it's more with McGlinchey. I think he's a fairly limited right tackle, especially when it comes to pass protection. And I think we've seen a bit of a decline from him as um, the injuries pile up. Um, and I think it's going to be a lot harder for him to, you know, even though he was drafted high in all this stuff, he, he had really good coaching and with these injuries kind of sapping some of that elite athleticism from him, 
I don't know if he's ever going to live up to the contract the Broncos paid him. I think what they're paying for is they understand the free agency premium, though that was diminished some this offseason, which is kind of why I don't like the signing so much. But I think they're paying the free agency premium and they just went, let's just have stability at right tackle. We haven't had stability at right tackle. We'll have stability at right tackle for three years. I think that's valuable. I don't think it's $18 million a year valuable. Yeah, and I'm probably somebody who, um, you know, has, has seen the, the free agent um, O-line market over the years, and they it always comes with questions. Ah, can, it, can it work out? Yeah, it can. Um, but it, you are certainly rolling the dice, and in Juwan James... That that's probably I'm, I'm yeah. burned from that, and and that leaves me with with a lot of questions. Um, in, in you know, uh, as to the, the injuries in particular, but I suppose that just in terms of you know the the changes that we've seen on the O line, the the other kind of free agency acquisitions on offense. What are you expecting from, uh, you know, Sean, Sean McVay? It, it seems, you know, at least from a distance that the, the Broncos are going to be uh, a lot more uh, run happy, uh, run orientated uh, next season. Yeah, I think this is a, a great sign in a, in a few ways. Um, one, it already shows that I don't think they're going to be catering to Russell Wilson. It looks like they're kind of the identity they're building now it aligns with a lot of the Sean Payton New Orleans stuff as well and a lot of his beliefs there um but it all it aligns well with what Pete Carroll did with Russell Wilson early on where it was a lot of early down runs and you know try and get him into advantageous positions where um he can be a more effective passer and and you're not um trying to uh fit the you know square peg into a round hole um so I think that's a positive sign. I also think with these signings, and, and I've heard it discussed some like, oh, these are win now moves. Look, the Broncos are going all in on winning now. And I think there's truth to that. But I think the only move that really is even like kind of win now to me is the Zach Allen one. Because I think if you were okay with just losing games, you could let the defense fall into disrepair and just focus on rebuilding the offense and be fine with some bad years. The big investment in Zach Allen, I think, is the really the only one that speaks to win now. Because Ben Powers and Mike McGlinchey are not Russell Wilson signings. Samaji P. Ryan rather, is not a Russell Wilson signing. Those are Sean Payton signings, and those are signings that if the Broncos cut Russell Wilson next offseason and draft a quarterback in the first round um, uh, or whenever they have a pick, um, uh, uh, Samaji P. Ryan is going to be a part of that offensive identity in 2024, as will Mike McGlinchey, as will Ben Powers. It is setting up the Sean Payton era. This feels like uh, a preliminary stage or something in the rocket launch or, or a foundationary um, step where he is setting that baseline. He is setting the table, getting a, a bunch of quote unquote, Sean Payton guys in the building. And then I think next off season, we'll see that metamorphosis completed. And um, outside of the Zach Allen signing, I don't see any signings that tie them to the current iteration of the Denver Broncos. I think they're all signings that can exist um, and thrive, you know, in the post-Russell Wilson era. 
Um, it, and I think that's very smart. But yeah, what they're building is going to be that kind of smash mouth, but punch you in the face, um, make the game a lot more physical style of offense. And I think that's good. I think that serves to what Bulls can do well. And I have a lot of questions about him at this point in his career. Um, it goes with what Mike McGlinchey can do well. It goes with what Ben Powers is best at, though I think he's got the most strong parts in his game. Um, it works with what Quinn Miners does well. Um, center's still a, a fairly big question mark, but you, you're adding Chris Mannerts in there as well, a guy who isn't going to get a lot of praise, but is a really nice blocking tight end. Um, they're formulating a clear offensive identity, and, and man, just ha- forget about good offense, which the Broncos also haven't had. They haven't had an offensive identity since the first half of the 2014 season, so it'll be nice to have that back. And then I suppose, look, you, you've mentioned the, the Zach Allen one, and uh, we had Arif Hassan on um, la- last week, and he has um, the the Zach Allen move as what he considers just one of the worst contracts. And look, the devil is always in the detail in terms of the, the contracts. It's the kind of splash figure that you get initially. You, you see the, the headline, um, but I suppose the... The piece that kind of gave him pause, and you've touched on, you know, the, around the, the the Draymond piece, and I suppose what in terms of, you know, it seemed to me like Draymond was ready to move on, right? Give there were a number of different factors that kind of went into it. You know, maybe maybe if you were willing to to pay Draymond more money, you you could maybe have sat down, but it felt like again from the outside looking in, Draymond had kind of enough of the the organization and was ready for a fresh start potentially. It, it is is that like a like something you would you would think or, or where where do you think in terms of the was Draymond ready to go and in terms of bringing in Zach Allen was that just looking at where the Broncos were last year and in terms of not really, um, you know, getting to to opposing QBs and and what was out there on the market and just saying, look, we're going to have to pony up this cash in order to to get this done with Zach Allen. I I like the Zach Allen signing because I think he's, if you look at the defensive linemen that were out there, there were not great options. It was like Draymond Jones and Zach Allen and that's it. And I think Zach Allen... Um, you know, got better every single year. He was in Arizona. Um, he was a guy I liked a good bit coming out of the draft. So maybe I'm being fooled there myself. Um, but I think he's gotten better every year. He obviously had this one pop year in a contract year, and that's maybe the biggest red flag around him. Um, but it's a guy that Vance Joseph is familiar with. I think that says something positive about his character, as does the fact he consistently developed and got better every year. And although I don't think he's Draymond, I think he can be a solid replacement. He can do a lot of the things Draymond does when you talk about versatility up and down the line, um, pressing the pocket, creating pressures, um, getting sacks. Like he can do all that. Um, I've seen some takes on Twitter from Broncos fans after this move went down that was like, well, actually, he's better than Draymond Jones as a run defender and as a pass blocker. And I think you can find some metrics that support that, but you can also find plenty of metrics that don't um, support that notion. Uh, And I don't think the film supports that notion. I think Draymond was a better pass rusher for sure. sure. And for my money, I'd also take his run run production. Um, You mentioned the one or uh, run stopping ability. You mentioned the... um, Draymond Jones from that side looking in seemed like he was 
ready to leave. I just, yeah, sure. But so was Kyler Murray. And then he got a market level contract, not an absurd contract. Now it doesn't look great in hindsight because he had a bad season and he tore his ACL. But at the time that was just market level contract, you know, Debo, um, you had all these wide receivers last year, AJ Brown, Debo, DK Metcalf, was Scary Terry the fourth? There's a fourth I feel I'm forgetting, but you had all these talented wide receivers from the same draft class coming up, wanting to do new contracts and demanding them. I think DK's was the easiest, got solved, had the least like the combustion to it. But then you had the AJ Brown and Debo Samuel situations. Debo was more vocal, more adamant about being out of San Francisco, like by a lot than AJ Brown was a lot more. Um, he, the, a viral video of him at the club where someone like jokingly got him a bottle service or something with a big sign that said like the back to SF. And he like makes eye contact with the camera and runs his hand over his throat and is like, uh-uh, um, was publicly tweeting stuff. You had Kyler Murray tweeting himself in an Oakland athletics uniform. These things happen on social media. It's posturing. Um, if the team is willing to offer the money, they're willing to offer the money. And I think, you know, trading one of his best friends in Bradley Chubb hurt, um, but he said as much in an interview, like, yeah, those things hurt, but it wasn't like I hated Denver and wasn't willing to come back. I think maybe those things removed the idea of a hometown discount, because why would I give you a hometown discount? What have you done for me? Um, I think it made it a business decision. And when it's a business decision and the Broncos aren't willing to offer you what the Seahawks are offering you or what the Browns are offering you, why would you go back to Denver? That's the thing that really annoyed me. It got framed as like, oh, well, Draymond's leaving because he's vindictive. I don't think we know that. Like, I'm not going to out or I'm not going to rule out the possibility, though I have talked to people that have had conversations directly with Draymond Jones about this subject. And they have been very adamant in the fact that Draymond Jones was willing to resign if the Broncos just slightly upped their offer. And the upping of that offer still would have been an offer smaller than the one Draymond Jones signed in Seattle. It didn't have some crazy front loading or anything like that, to my knowledge. Um, he was ready to sign on the dotted line, but he wanted to see if he could get more in free agency. And he got a lot more in free agency. Um, I just, to me, that doesn't read as vindictive. That reads to me as a guy doing what most NFL free agents do and signing with the team that offers them the most money. And that wasn't Denver. Uh, sorry for the tangent. On your main point, I fully agree. Uh, the Zach Allen contract is pretty gross and it's not, it's not all that different. Um, uh, you're looking at 45.7 uh, over three with a tacked on void year for Zach Allen. It's going to be very hard for the Broncos to ever get out of that contract. Um, they could before the final year of it in 2025, but um they're eating 8 million in dead cap if they do like it's not a fun thing um as opposed to the Draymond Jones deal um which frankly is easier to get out of in year 3 than Zach Allen um because of all the front loading and the cap number people talked about the front loading as though that's what made it impossible it's 28 million um for Draymond in the first 2 years and it's 25 mil for Zach Allen in the first 2 years on, on the cap. So that's just, you can find those $3 million. That's not the reason why I just, I think the Broncos were too cheap and they missed out on having a better player.
Yeah, no, I mean, I didn't ever see it as vindictive. I just saw it as, you know, it, it's, people sometimes, I think, fail to see that football is just, it's a job for, for players to an extent. And, and if you're in a situation where, you know, you don't feel particularly valued, you don't feel like management is listening to you, they're making decisions that you don't agree with, and then you have the opportunity to listen to to other offers. I don't think that's vindictive. I think that's just human nature of going, well, why wouldn't I go someplace else, you know, in 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 terms of like, unless they were going to make him a, a ridiculous offer. That's how it, it always felt to me. I'm always somebody who I think we as fans are very often unfair on players, right? Because yeah. teams get to make business decisions all the time but when a player makes a business decision um they get absolutely hammered for it um you're, you're seeing that with L- lamar jackson all the the time and it's it's interesting to to see i mean i suppose the we'll see how it plays out um i, I think i saw you put out a tweet saying that um, Draymond going to, to Seattle made it sting a little bit more um, and I think that would certainly be the the case um, you know I'm old I'm old enough to remember them as a divisional rival let alone getting um, you know our asses kicked in the the Super Bowl and everything that has gone on since the the Russ um, deal but I suppose it, look in terms of um, you know where where you think then um, and maybe we can we'll come back to say or maybe this is tied into it i guess we may as well talk about it the the wide receiver piece right and the trade talk and the on again off again will it happen won't it happen uh courtland um kind of tweeting that he wants to be somewhere where he feels appreciated jerry judy uh tweeting out like work out work him working out um, the Bronco, the, all the talk of the, what they wanted, then Sean Payton comes out and no, it's it's not happening. Um, am, am I very cynical to say the team just didn't get what they wanted? Um, they're going to roll back on it. They're going to see what happens. But this could be a situation where just like last year, you you know, you talked about um, some of the, the moves last year where you're talking about AJ um, and we saw obviously the, you know, Hollywood move last year on draft night. Could this be a situation where the Broncos say all this, but in a, in a month's time, um, I have you back on the podcast and we're talking about Jerry Judy moving on, on draft night and uh, the Broncos acquiring capital. Yeah, I think it's very possible because in this Sean Payton remark, to me saying, oh, I won't trade those two receivers. Um, and some people might disagree with me. I feel like that leaves the door cracked to trade one of them, personally. Um, I've ha- I had some people disagreeing with me on Twitter about that. So everyone interpret how they want. But I think that's leaving the door cracked. I think it's intentional. Um, I'll even say at one point during this process, like in the last, I don't know, three weeks or whatever, I was told by someone that the trade had happened with one of these people and that it wasn't official yet, but it had happened and the compensation had been agreed to. And it was just, you know, dotting I's and crossing T's. Obviously it didn't come to fruition. So that could have been total BS. Um, But when I heard it, I, I asked around to a couple other people and it seemed like it was going down. Um, So who knows? something easily could have gotten lost in translation. Maybe an agent thought it was happening and who knows, but they were definitely shopping these guys. 
Um, I think as that started leaking and as they realized they maybe weren't going to get what they wanted, they tried to do some damage control. And I think that's what they'll continue to do until a move happens. But I think it'd be foolish for any fan to look at this and go, oh, okay, well, they're not getting traded. Um, you had Mike Vrabel last season saying, um, AJ Brown won't be on the trade block as long as I'm the head coach of the Tennessee Titans. Um, he's still the head coach of the Tennessee Titans. Um, uh, like that, that I think ultimately got the GM fired because Mike Vrabel didn't know about that move and wasn't very happy with it. And obviously the situation with Sean Payton is different, but NFL teams lie. It's something that you and I have talked about a good deal, Cole. I'm like, NFL teams lie. It is, they are not obligated to tell us the truth. They're not really obligated to do anything. All these people are trying to serve their own interest. Like they have a pretty sweet job that pays them millions and millions of dollars a year. It's a job that's very easy to get fired from. And they would like to retain that job as long as possible. They also just want to do a good job. They want to win. They're all feverishly competitive. Um, it's the same reason, like these people, these head coaches won't let media go to like any portion of practice during the season that like isn't stretching because they're worried if at field level, we see them like walk through a play a couple times, maybe that'll give one of their opponents sometime down the line, a 0.05% advantage. That's how hyper-competitive these individuals are. That's how freakish they are about these minute details they don't care about lying <laughs> it just it doesn't matter to them so he said it i do think that makes it less likely um but yeah the door's totally still cracked i think it's more likely they trade sutton than judy um but neither would surprise me you're dead on draft night will be the time to watch if we get a week away from the draft and it hasn't happened yet at that point i'd say things are pretty cemented those two are probably denver broncos and in in terms of i suppose just your own feeling on it um zach and in terms of what what would leave you happy you know what what would you like to see come in for for Cortland Sutton and, and what could be a reasonable expectation and would you move Judy and and or is there an offer that you think would make that okay or do you think there there really isn't a point in the Broncos doing it and they should just stick and keep Jerry Judy on the roster see Sutton's almost harder for me to trade because you're going to be eating a good chunk of dead cap and I think it's very hard to get the value you'd want to get out of him now the fact there's no quality veteran receivers out there might help you but I think it's going to be hard to get like a third or a fourth round pick and that's kind of what I think you need to draft a replacement wide receiver and, and feel good about what you're getting uh, maybe if like you get three four day three picks like like a good number of fifths and sixths and sevenths you can just view it as getting darts which is something the broncos don't need and maybe you can justify it but that one's almost harder for me to um make work in my head um obviously the broncos would probably rather lose sutton than judy but i just think in terms of marrying the compensation for that player it'll be tougher judy i can be okay with trading um and it comes down to the broncos evaluation of judy um if they think he's an awesome wide receiver and very talented and he's finally coming into his own, they would be fools to trade him. It's becoming a premium position. And just like if they had a quarterback that was 
what 24 and finally breaking out or uh, offensive tackle or a pass rusher, it would be foolish to trade those guys. Those are franchise cornerstone pieces, wide receivers becoming the same way. So in that sense, they shouldn't trade Judy for a first round pick or whatever. Um, last year, he had the most efficient single season against man coverage that we've seen from a wide receiver dating back to 2014, which is as far back as I have the data. It probably dates back a lot farther than that. Um, just a wildly efficient season. That's not a guy you want to lose unless in-house because they know a lot more about Jerry Judy's personality than we do. And I think we've heard the whispers and maybe seen some smoke here or there, but it's always been kind of an enigma for the fans and for the media on the outside looking in. Um, if they made the evaluation, because teams do do this, this isn't a guy we can give a big money deal to. This is a guy where if we pay him $20 million a year, he's going to stop working. He's going to um, become a head case. His ego is going to get out of control. He's not going to be coachable anymore. Um, I've heard that about other players, not about Jerry Judy, but about other players that received big money extensions and then became major pains in the ass. That's an evaluation teams make. And if they make that evaluation about Jerry Judy, yeah, trade him for a first now while his market is really high. Um, the, the lack of supply um, is very beneficial for the Broncos being the sellers in this situation. Get a first round pick, draft another wide receiver in this class that has some good late first round options and have a cost controlled answer at the position for five years and hopefully a player you feel good about giving a long term big money extension to down the line as opposed to Judy like if you've come to the conclusion that this contract's not for us we probably let this guy walk or maybe we resign him and we're just really crossing our fingers while we do it then yeah maybe trade him for a first and reinvest those assets back in the position yeah I know I, I think that's a really interesting point I mean that's what really separates um great coaches or great managers in 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 soccer is the ability to know when is the right time to maybe move on from a player or resign a player um you know because there are any there are myriad factors that go into it in terms of motivation injury history etc etc um am i am i crazy if if the broncos were to move on for from judy Am I crazy in preferring a 2024 first rather than a 2023 first? I know we don't have one, but I, for me, given that the Russell Wilson situation and we don't know how that's going to play out, but I would, I would infinitely um, give up on the, the first round this year to have extra ammunition to do with what we might need to do next year. Totally. And it's like if the Broncos, rather than, you know, signing McGlinchey, signing Powers, because these are moves that I think also make sense for the next era. Um, like, let's say they had traded for Tyler Lockett. I think that would have been, uh, you know, maybe a troubling like, ooh, maybe they really are all in on Russell Wilson. Whatever they get out of that Jerry Judy trade, in the same sense that I think signing Ben Powers and Mike McGlinchey speaks to, okay, we're looking to go more run heavy. We're setting ourselves up maybe for a post-Russell Wilson era. Um, the compensation on Judy will be very, even, mu even more telling. If they get a 2024 first, um, 
And they'll frame it. I'll tell you right now, they'll come out and they'll say, oh, well, we just couldn't get a first rounder this year. And obviously we could use them, but, um, you know, just getting that kind of uh, talent is good. You know, whenever year you can add it and adding it in 2024, you know, we thought that was better than getting a second rounder this year. Like that's how they'll frame it and some BS. But if th that pick is next year instead of this year, especially if it's a high up like premium pick, I'd say even getting into the second round, like 50 or so, that's a pick that'll help them trade up in 2024 for their next quarterback. And uh, yeah, I would definitely be watching what they get in, in Judy compensation, because that will tell us a lot about how they're uh, setting the table for themselves here. Yeah. And as you said, uh, no matter, no matter what you get in compensation, it's a bit like whenever you draft a player, it's exactly who you wanted and they fell exactly where you hoped they, they would. Um, we, we all know that that is the case. So I suppose, um, Zach, obviously we're, we're coming um, soon into April and in, in terms of where the Broncos are at and the moves they have made, what are some of the positions that you might like to, to see them address um, with the draft picks that they do have? It's a good question. With the draft picks, I'd like to see them throw some more assets at corner. Um, I, I think you're really shallow there. Like I like Damari Mathis. I really like Kwan Williams. Patrick Sertan is Patrick Sertan, but man, it drops off a cliff after those three. Um, that's a big one that's glaring to me. The defensive line, it seems like, I, I think you're already downgrading from Draymond Jones to Zach Allen, but they also lost to Sean Williams who played the most snaps for them on the defensive line. Um, and it seems like the plan to replace him is Matt Henningsen and Yomo Wazirike, who I thought were okay late round rookies last year, but just that is scary to me, putting like a lot, because defensive line is a rotation. We talk about how great the Eagles defensive line was because they went two, three rows deep and they could just rotate and always have greatness. I think there's a chance the Broncos are starting a defensive lineman in week one, at least as it currently sits. Um, starting a defensive lineman in week one, who would be in the third wave of defensive linemen for the Eagles. Um, and that's a little concerning for me. Uh, so that's a big one. And then center, if you're going to invest all these assets in or left tackle, cause I I'm pretty dodgy about bulls. I'd love to see them invest big in one of those two positions. Cause if you're gonna, if you're going to do kind of this crazy, hey, we got Walmart money, we got Sean Payton, we can get out of this if it goes bad attitude, go for it. Like, let's not let's not half-ass it. Um, let's go for it. Let's sign another center. The market's not great, but there are guys um, that are good. I, I don't have the list in front of me, but I was looking over it and um, was happy with some of the names. So, also, decent veteran tackle candidates. Like, I believe Isaiah Wynn is still out there. Um take a flyer on him. Like he hasn't been, uh, there's been tons of injury concerns in new England. I, I would get a Jawan James vibe there for sure. But when he's been on the field, the tape's been good and Garrett Bull's tape is bad and he's coming off a broken leg. So it's concerning. Yeah. And, um, I, I suppose, um, you know, a, a couple of, a couple of things maybe as we, we, um, wind towards the, the end, but, um, 
we, you know, um, the obviously as we're recording this, Sean Payton is, um, and, and indeed a number of head coaches, um, and I might get your opinion on a non-Bronco related thing just right before the end, but Sean Payton is talking at the moment and, um, you know, again, kind of reiterating, we're not really interested in, in trading, but that leaves the door open, as, as you said, um, but he has uh, said, um, you know, that... Um, he doesn't believe the Broncos were very good in the kicking game um, last year. That's a, a direct quote. Um, would you would you be surprised to see the team move on from Brandon McManus, um, or uh, could uh, could that could the the last remaining member of the uh, Super Bowl winning uh, fifty team uh, no longer be on the roster come September? God, it's about time. I'm sorry. It's time. I McManus is a great Bronco. Um, I would be down to put him in the the ring of honor someday as like a tenured Bronco that went through the hard time. Was a reliable kicker, one of the better kickers in franchise history. I mean, personally, I wouldn't put him up there, but no disrespect to the guy. Had a great Broncos career. It's done. Like, let's just. I don't know. Maybe last year was wildly um, just just a wild fluke. Uh, we've seen kickers age gracefully. I don't think he's like crapping out, but for about four or five years now, he's been somewhere between average to bad. If you just, uh, and you can look this up. I like football outsiders kicking data because they aren't just giving you a raw percent. They're considering weather conditions, the fact that he is kicking at altitude, um, and then all the lengths and kind of averaging out and everything. Um, but he's consistently average to below average to there's even a, a, I think two, three seasons where he's in the bottom third of kickers in the league during that whole span, he's getting paid like one of the top eight to 10 kickers in the league that does not fly. Uh, the point I always hear Broncos fans highlight is, well, look at what it's like not having kicking stability, you know? Um, McManus provides stability at the kicking position and you don't want that to me. That's like looking at the Broncos instability at quarterback and going, well, you got to give Teddy a long-term deal. Who cares if he's paid like a top 10 quarterback, it gives you stability at the quarterback position. No, it really doesn't. Like you have the same guy there. And in that sense, it's stable, but he's not performing at a, a high level consistently. And therefore it's not really positional stability. Um, even besides just the financials and the on-field of it all, he's kind of a pain in the butt off the field. I don't think he's uh, everyone's favorite guy. And you look at just the headaches and distractions he causes. Like, I don't want my kickers making jokes about domestic violence charities, you know? Like, that's – there's – 30 plus kickers out there who you could probably sign who won't do that and will produce comparable results to Brandon McManus for less money. That seems ideal. Yeah. I mean, the, the kicking is, it's such a strange phenomenon because past success is, is generally yeah, in, in, in almost every other position is an indicator of, of future success, but not so with kickers because it, it varies so widely. I mean, that is what has separated Tucker 
from everyone for for so long. Tucker, by his standards, had a bit of a down year last year, so it's going to be interesting to see if he can bounce back. But as you said, for the most part, with kickers, I think probably you have maybe at any time in the league, maybe in Elite 3, potentially, and then maybe three at the bottom who, you know, are, um, you know, really just not up to it. But then that, that, that means that there, there is a huge group in the middle who are just kind of, you know, whatever, but, and you don't want to be paying enormous money um, to, to somebody for kind of av- average play. Um, so before I, I let you go, obviously, um, as we've been recording this, huge news kind of breaking in terms of Lamar Jackson. Um, and I, I know, obviously, this is not a Broncos, um, kind of, you know, situation, but um have to, to talk in terms of where, because I think listeners will, will know my feelings on um, Lamar, but what, what is your take on on this and in terms of how the the ravens have have handled um the the situation i don't know i think the ravens have handled it well um like i don't approve of how they've handled it but you look at the position they're in right now and i think it made sense they um didn't want to give lamar this contract that i think he's deserved um and they went, hey, if you don't believe us, you think you're going to get this on the open market, let's put you out into the open market and let's find out. Um, the whole thing's so suspicious to me that you don't even have teams willing to negotiate on it like any other free agent. Because guess what? Every free agent's asking price is generally higher than the contract they sign. But there's this process. Everyone, just think about your own professional lives. Like, don't you generally ask for a little more than you get and you kind of like negotiate down? If not, start asking for more in your professional negotiations because that's that's the way it typically goes. You shoot, you aim a little high and you have them talk talk you down. Um, Outside of Lamar being uh, uh, totally worth this, you look at having four QB needy teams and I think the Falcons are more quarterback needy this offseason when they're supposed to be launching out of this rebuild than they were last offseason when they were still very much in their rebuild. No one expected the Falcons to be good last year. This year, there will be some expectations that Arthur Smith starts winning games. Last year, they were willing to mortgage the franchise's future financially and trade four first round picks for someone with an abysmal off-field record. Now they're not willing to trade two first round picks and do the same financial things for someone with a spotless off field record. I just, it's so fishy to me. You talk about um, how it's been covered. And I don't think it's coincidental that Deshaun Watson had an agent. And when the media hears stuff, they hear it from the team, the agent or the player. Okay, well, Lamar's not communicating much with the media. We all know that. So we're not really hearing his side of the story. What side of the story has been going out there? The teams, it is in every owner's best interest that Lamar fails. Every owner. Because as this fully guaranteed precedent becomes uh, uh, the norm, it's going to make their lives a lot more expensive. And certain owners like the Davises, the Spanos, the Browns um, won't be able to financially compete because they don't have the... uh, uh, liquid capital to put into escrow. 
um, on a consistent basis. So they are panicking about this Lamar deal and they want it to blow up. And they're telling all their buddies in the media stuff that favors that narrative. And then you have the agents who also talk to media a lot. Very obviously, it is in the agent's best interest that Lamar Jackson doesn't get the best contract in NFL history representing himself. So last offseason, when you had all these agents talking to Ian, or not all these, you had David Mulligetta talking to Ian Rappaport and, and saying, hey, I'll give you exclusive information about some of my other clients if you help me get Deshaun Watson to another team. Um, there's not an owner helping Lamar out in that case. And in fact, you have all these hyper-powerful agents, which are some of the more powerful people in the media game with the connections they have, all pulling out the stops to affect this Lamar Jackson situation. Um, like, look at Laramie Tunsil. Laramie Tunsil is asking for an absurd amount of guaranteed money, has uh, some injury concerns, has some off-the-field concerns, No pro and is representing himself, has no problem getting it. Um, because it's not like this media spotlight thing. The, I, the Lamar Jackson thing is so sketchy to me, so shady to me, does not make sense um, with everything I know about how NFL teams operate. I think this is NFL collusion. Um, and uh, it's not getting talked to enough about because again, it these media companies uh, or these reporters have to maintain relationships with teams and with agents and teams and agents want Lamar Jackson to fail. Yeah, I, I we did talk about this on the, the podcast, Brian and I, last night, and I brought up about Tunsil because if you look at it, right, all of a sudden last week, the NFL issued notifications to teams to not negotiate or not discuss anything with Lamar's business manager or business partner or whatever title um, he has. Meanwhile, Laramie Tunsil negotiates a deal inv involving St. Omni and, um, you know, the, the league is kind of, oh, well, I guess, whoops, that kind of happened. It, yeah, it, it is kind of um, definitely what is uh, is good for, for the goose, should be good for the gander, um, as we say here, but doesn't appear to, to be the case in, in the NFL world. Um, Zach, I want to thank you for for taking the time to to chat to me uh, today. Hopefully, have you back on in the not too distant uh, future, and and we can discuss, you know, after the the draft, maybe where um, the the Broncos are are at. I will say that um, I, as uh, as I'm finishing up, I'm seeing quotes from Sean Payton um, on the Broncos 22 offense, saying it was a hard film to watch, and I think we can all absolutely agree that that uh, was certainly the case and uh, hopefully the 2023 iteration of the offense will will be better. Um, Stack again, though, for, for people who might be new um, to the show or, or listening or hearing you for, for the first time and want to, to find more of your stuff, where can they do that? Yeah, let's talk Broncos. Pretty easy to find. Maybe you have to put the apostrophe in there between T and S. Um, sometimes you don't for us to show up. Sometimes you do. Um, but let's talk Broncos. Uh, <clears throat> find it on, on Twitter at the LTV podcast on YouTube. That's going to be our main deal. Uh, let's talk Broncos. We have our podcasts over there that are going on the draft or going on all things Broncos. Um, 
Joey is ha is even making these great little 10, 15 minute individual video deep dives into, you know, the free agency class, what positions do the Broncos still need to sign and whatnot. Um, so that'll be great content over there. If you're not so much into the videos, check us out wherever you find your podcasts. Um, Let's talk Broncos. Uh, yeah, it would mean a lot to me. I'm excited about that um, show. And uh, yeah, all the support would mean a lot. Zach, once again, thank you. And uh, look forward to chatting to you again in the not too distant future. Looking forward to it, Colin. Thank you.